Luke chapter 17. I want to be finished at 11.45 so you guys can come back. I think we're going to try to sing a song to close out today. So give me a half an hour uh, to try to work through this passage because uh, we want you to help participate here at the end of this message. Um, let me pray. Father, bless this word. Help me to communicate what is clearly before us in Scripture. Thank you for the gift that you've given me to communicate the word. I rely on the Holy Spirit to not only teach through me, but even to teach me as I'm teaching. Give us all ears to hear what you want to say. And as we head into this Thanksgiving season with family and friends and relationships, Lord, I just pray for healing where there has been hurt. I pray for reconciliation where, Lord God, there has been division. I pray that we would truly be thankful that our attitude, that we would always have an attitude of gratitude because you've done so much for us. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we come into this season of Thanksgiving, we want to be intentional of being a thankful people. The Bible says in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I found that when I'm thankful, I'm a little bit easier and more pleasant to live with. Can my wife say amen? When I'm thankful, when I have an attitude of gratitude, it's really hard to bring me down and when I think about the Good Samaritan, a story um, that I believe one of our parishioners is going to preach. I was just asking one of our parishioners who's going to preach somewhere, and they said, uh, Reverend Bell, who's going to preach next week in Virginia, as a matter of fact, he's going to use the passage from Luke chapter 10 about the Good Samaritan. And, uh, and so today, we're very familiar with that story, but today I want to introduce you to another Samaritan, and I want to call this person the thankful Samaritan. We've heard of the good Samaritan, but today let's talk about the thankful Samaritan. And maybe we can learn a few things from this brother. Luke chapter 17, verse 11, reading from the New King James Version, the Bible reads, Now it happened as he, speaking of Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Stop for a moment. Jesus is leaving the north, and he is going to the south to begin what we would call his Passion Week, his last week on earth, where he would give his life as a ransom for all of us. And so as he is heading from Galilee in the north to Judea or Jerusalem in the south, he must pass through the midst of Samaria. Samaria sat in the middle. And so as he goes through the midst, Jesus was known for taking a route that was uncommon for most Jews in his time. For most Jews did not want to go through Samaria because they didn't like those people. Samaritans were considered half-breeds. 
They were part Jew and they were part Gentile. They were displaced there in that region after the Babylonians had come. And so the Jewish people really didn't care for the Samaritans because they weren't pure race-wise and they weren't pure religiously. They only held to the first five books of the Old Testament, i.e. the Pentateuch, and they didn't believe in the other prophets and those kinds of things. And so the Jews saw them as not only being mixed racially, but being mixed religiously. And so they had developed many stereotypes and prejudices against the Samaritan people. And they would even go so far as to call them half-breeds or even dogs. The Jews would say about Samaritan women that they were always on their monthly cycle, making them always unclean. And so there was great animosity and disdain as far as the Jews felt towards the Samaritans. But we know in John chapter 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria because he had a meeting with a woman there who was ousted even by her own Samaritan community. But Jesus welcomed him into welcomed her into his loving community. He drank out of this Samaritan woman's cup to the dismay of his 12 disciples who were watching him interact with this woman. And so Jesus was very intentional as our God who came and incarnated into the earth. He was intentional to save us, to seek and to save the lost for the lost sheep of Israel first, but also to the world. And so whereas other Jews would go around, he went through the midst of Samaria. So he is on the border between Galilee and Samaria. And then it says in verse 12, then as he entered a certain village, there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. And the reason why they had to stand afar off is because the Bible says in terms of legislating how the Jewish people would live in community, in terms of handling diseases, that people who had leprosy, they would go to the priest and the priest would examine them. And then if they, in fact, had leprosy, the, the priest would pronounce that they were unclean. And as a result, they had to be separated and live in a leper colony. And so as Jesus is going into the village, he meets 10 lepers who are standing afar off because the law will not allow them to have interaction with other people for fear that they may spread this disease. And then they not only had to stand afar off, but they had to also pronounce unclean, unclean, so that clean people would know that they were unclean and thus not become unclean by interaction. So they were away from everyone. They had to announce that they were unclean, but they heard all of these miracles and stories about Jesus and how he was able to heal people of their sicknesses. And so a spark of hope lit up in their soul and they said, we're going to Jesus. And so although they stood afar off from him, verse 13 says, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. Isn't it good today that you can go to a God who is rich, rich, rich in mercy. You can go to a God about anything you may have, whether it be something that deals with the exterior of you or the interior of you. And you can say, Lord Jesus, master, have mercy on me. In other words, help me because I cannot help myself. 
Because every now and then we find ourselves in places that we can't get out of with all of our ingenuity, all of our resources, all of our knowledge, all of our strength. We just can't get out of it. And so these 10 men could not get out of their situation, but they heard that Jesus was passing by. And so thus they had hope and they cried out to him. They lifted up their voices and said, Master, please have mercy on us. Verse 14, so when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Now stay with me here because the Lord loves us all the same, but he ministers to each one of us differently. He is no respecter of persons, and he reserves the right because he is sovereign to minister using different techniques and methodologies and timetables with, with each and every one of his children. And in this particular case, 10 men were together who had leprosy, who were ostracized, who were outcasts, but they heard about Jesus. They cried out for mercy, and Jesus tells these 10 men, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, by saying, go show yourselves to the priests, he's taking them back to the Old Testament book of Leviticus. Because just as a priest would announce that one was unclean, the priest would also announce whether someone was now clean who was once unclean. But the thing about a priest is that a priest could only pronounce what was there. He could not change the condition. And so Jesus, who is the great high priest, he is able to change the condition. So he tells the men to make a trek, to make steps, to go back to the priest, that the priest may see that you are healed. Now, now this takes a lot of faith because Jesus did not come and lay his hands on them. He's done that before in Luke chapter 5 when he healed a leper. He healed a leper by placing his hands on him. But this time Jesus just says, go to the priest. And none of those 10 said, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. What are you doing? I didn't think you would do it that way. I thought you would come out and wave your hand over me or touch me. But they took the Lord at his word and they began to walk. And the Bible says that as they went, they were cleansed. And so he didn't clean, uh, cleanse them right there on the spot. They were cleansed with each step of faith and obedience. I ask you to hang with me. Stay with me just for a moment. So as they turned, after crying out, Lord, have mercy on us, they turned to go back to the priests, implying that these men are Jewish men because they understand the Levitical system and the sociological laws for the Jewish people. So we see that these men are Jewish, but we're also going to see in a moment that one of them at least is Samaritan which means that in this leper colony, they had common unity that transcended race. Why? Because when you're down and out, you don't care what color the person is next to you because we all just down and out because misery loves company. So they had a kind of community in sickness that most people didn't have when they were well. Do you hear what I'm saying so far? And so as they're going back to the priest with each step, this mixed community start getting healed. With each step, individuals in that community had their skin begin to heal. With each step of faith and obedience, they got healed. So I want to say to you, we're all on a journey. We're all looking for healing. 
We're all looking for deliverance. We're all looking for the Lord to set us free from something or from someone. We all need him. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But sometimes we get entangled in various yokes of bondage. Bondages of fear and worry and doubt and inconsistencies and all kinds of things. We're just, oh, Lord, it's a process. And so as they walk with each step, they get freer and freer and better and better. So I just want to encourage somebody. Don't you stop walking. Don't you give up because you don't see it right now. You, 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 you're you looking for an instantaneous healing of a relationship. You're looking for an instantaneous healing in your body, in your mind, your soul, whatever. And since you don't see it instantaneously, you're wanting to give up. But I'm here to say to you, just keep on walking in the path that Jesus told you to walk in by faith and obedience and watch him work through you. Why? Because we are being transformed into his glory and likeness. By transforming faith, ever-increasing glory. We're, we're being transformed from glory to glory. So keep taking steps. Keep walking. Keep marching on in Jesus' name. And don't be discouraged if someone stands up and they say, I've been delivered from this, that, or the other, and you haven't gotten your deliverance yet, or he hasn't healed that situation yet. Don't you say, Lord, where are you? Because, again, he works with each one of his children differently. I'll call you back to Luke chapter 5. There was a leper that when Jesus healed him, he healed him, the Bible says, immediately. He put his hands on this leper. The leper said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me whole. You can cleanse me. Jesus said, I am willing. And he put his hands, and the Bible says, immediately he was healed. But he did not do that with these ten in this chapter. Their healing was progressive and not immediate. So... Some people talk about deliverance. I got delivered immediately from smoking. I got delivered immediately from pornography. I got delivered immediately from cussing. I got delivered immediately from slander. I got delivered immediately from depression. But most of us don't have immediate deliverance. Our deliverance is a process. And so when you look at it, 10 people were in a process. One person got it immediately. So when I look at how I've been ministering to folks for almost 20 years now, most of us don't get the deliverance immediately. Yes, he can and yes, he does. But for many of us, it is a process. And I just want to say to you, keep walking because with each step, chains fall off. With each step, you become more like your Savior because the Holy Spirit is conforming you to his image. So I just want to say, don't stop walking. Walk in obedience. Walk in faith. And trust that your father has got you. And so the Bible says that they were cleansed as they went. But verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. One of them who got healed in this process of walking by faith and in obedience to the words of Jesus turned around and went back. I know this person was excited to get back into communal life because they hadn't been around their family, hadn't been around their friends. And so like the other nine, I'm sure after going to the priest, they couldn't wait to get back into life. But one of them said, before I get back into life, I got to go back to Christ and I got to thank him for all you've done 
for me. And I'm not here to shoot at those nine. But I am here to say that like the nine, I tend to not always be thankful for what the Lord has done. And I tend not to open my mouth and thank him for the blessings that he is depositing so richly and freely into my life. I tend to just take for granted that he's going to wake me up this morning and start me on my way. But sometimes you got to be around people who aren't used to taking these blessings for granted. And, and maybe they've been incarcerated for a minute or they've been sick for a minute. And they have more of an appreciation for the simpler things in life than those of us who, you know, man, God just can't impress us anymore. We're just not really going to open our mouths and say thank you anymore. But it's always good to thank God because, again, it changes your attitude. It's always good to thank God because he is worthy. It's always good to thank God because it reminds the receiver of the gift that the giver of the gift is greater than the gift itself. So even if I have to force myself, like we teach our children, when somebody gives our kids something, now what do you say? Because our kids are naturally selfish. And they'll take that lollipop, take that quarter, and go on about their business. But a parent is there to catch them and say, what do you say? Thank you. Well, the Holy Spirit is that parent who catches us when we want to take a blessing from God and just go our way. But he says, now what do you say? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So one of them came back. Now, this one who comes back, he's going to get more than a physical blessing. Mm. He's going to get his soul blessed uh, simply because he came back. And when he came back, Pastor John, you're going to love this. When he came back, he came back worshiping. You want to know why he came back worshiping? Because the Bible says he came back with a loud voice glorifying God. Well, who just healed him? Jesus. So he's glorifying God, but Jesus healed him. Ah, Jesus must be God. Because when this man worships Jesus, who is the son of God, Jesus is not going to turn him away from worshiping him as if Jesus is not worthy to be worshiped. So Jesus is about to receive this man's worship because he is God. So don't ever let anybody tell you that Jesus is not the son of God, that he is not God the son, that he is not God in the flesh. Because Jesus does things that only God can do. And in this passage, he receives what only belongs to God, and that is worship. The angels would say, don't worship me. We're created beings. Worship God. Jesus never turned worship away. Matter of fact, he invites worship. So when this man comes, oh my, he falls down on his face, which is the posture of worship. I'm telling you, boy, when the Holy Spirit just, I mean, tear this place up. When, when you talk about where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. When he tears this place up, and he does that from time to time. We're not going to manipulate him like when I was coming up in church. There could have been an authentic move of God. Then next week, my leaders were trying to uh, manipulate and cookie cut what the Lord did in the spirit last week. And so that's how I grew up, you know. But, man, there are times where he comes in, and when he comes in, the spirit of freedom comes, and you are on your face. And I bet you this leper would say, that's not normally what I do. I don't normally do that. But when the goodness of the Lord just overshadowed him and overshadowed his sickness, he just fell down on his face. It's the posture of worship. The word worship, proskinue, means to bow down with your face and kiss the feet. He is down at the feet of Jesus. 
And that's how we know we're growing as a worshiper when we spend more time looking at Jesus and less time looking at the people next to us who's supposed to be looking at Jesus. I'm not growing as a worshiper if I'm concerned about what you may think about me if I cry, if I lift my hands, if I shout, if I clap, if I just stand still. I'm, if I'm more concerned about you, I need to grow as a worshiper. And thank God for the process. He, he allows us to go through a process of even worshiping him. But every now and then the goodness of the Lord will get you. Well, man, I'm on my face before the Lord. And then the Bible says he's at his feet. And that's the right place of worship. It's the feet of Jesus. It's the feet of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has come to bring glory to Jesus. Not glory to the preacher. Not glory to the worship leader. Not glory to the church or the denomination. Not glory to the building. But glory to Jesus. And as Elder Tyler said earlier, I hope we came here today because we needed, we wanted to be here. Because not only did we want to see each other, but above all, we needed and wanted to see Jesus and there's something about meeting him in the congregation of the saints that's unique even from meeting him when we're alone in our prayer closet. First Corinthians says that the spirit of God indwells the temple, the temple. That's us. Something happens when we get together and thank God for those with gifts or instruments and with singing because they can lead us in ways that maybe we can't be led alone. So there's something powerful when we come to this place, not only with the right posture, but also at the right place. And then finally giving him thanks, which is the proof that there's been worship. If we sing and all that stuff, but we don't have a thankful heart, if we haven't changed, we haven't been filled with the spirit, which means that we didn't worship. We didn't worship the Lord anyway. We worshiped ourselves. Because one proof of worshiping God and being in his presence, because in his presence, there is fullness of joy. When I'm worshiping God, man, I become thankful. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, don't be drunk with wine that leads to dissipation. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks unto God and making melodies in your heart. Are you thankful? Are you thankful for the simple things that, yes, Jesus loves me. I, I know I got some bills to pay. Yes, Jesus loves me. Man, my husband, my wife been bugging. Yes, Jesus loves me. Because the Bible tells me so. He gave him thanks and he didn't care what anybody thought. So this Thanksgiving, before you dig into the bird, before you watch the game, how about taking some time at the table just to say, what are you thankful for? And watch the environment change in your home. Because we are already into this commercial season of consumerism. Christmas, they started promoting before Halloween. And we're, they, 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 Black Friday is now Black Monday through Friday. And now we're going into Christmas. And it's all about what we can get. We don't even need the stuff, but they make us think we need it. Oh, the newest this, the newest that. Oh, let me put some money aside for your offering. No, for Black Friday. Pastor, leave that alone. Come back over here. You had them till you went there. Okay, I'm coming back over. But it feeds our flesh, which is selfish. But when you're thankful, you look more to God than to yourself. And when you can thank him, even when it's not the way you want it to be right now, it changes the environment around you because it changes what's going on inside of you. Can we be thankful? Remember when Job lost it all, 
Like Marvin Sapp, we were just singing, I could have lost it all. Well, Job lost it all. And in the midst of that, he had the wherewithal to say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not charge God with wrongdoing or curse God. Why? Because he was blessing God. Lord, teach us how to do that. Well, in order for us to learn that discipline, he's got to take us through some things so that we can see that it's not the things that we need the most. We need him. And he's the God who will never leave you. He won't forsake you. He'll walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. If you make your bed in hell, there he is. I've got to thank him. I've got to praise him because I can't have no rocks crying out in my place. While I got some breath in my lungs, let everything that has some breath praise the lord and thank him and you can't thank him for me i can't thank him for you i'm gonna testify i'm gonna thank the lord because i know what he has done and what he is doing and what he surely will do in my life oh my that's why the bible says let the redeemed of the lord say so because if anybody got something to say it ought to be folks who've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb of god so we need to learn how to be thankful and open up our mouths because it changes everything. And then, y'all, I tried not to go here. I, I tried to let it go. You know, our vision deals with race and gender and class. Some of us, this is new, and it's hard to hear this. You know, man, I don't want to come to church and hear about race and class and gender. Man, just, just preach the gospel. <laughs> well, that is the gospel, but hold on. I'm trying to encourage you that as you come to this church to pick up lenses that Look at the Bible holistically and historically and to see not only language, but also to see these things of ethnicity and gender and class. Because for some reason, family, for some reason, family, verse 16, after this man worships, he's got the posture of worship, the place of worship, the proof of worship. Then the Bible says, and he was a Samaritan. Now, Luke why did you have to add that? And if Luke were here, he said, well, I was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I mean, why, why you got to bring race up, man? I mean, we, does it matter, Luke, what ethnicity this man was? Evidently so, because it's in the Bible. So now as inductive Bible readers, we then ask questions. That's how we learn. We ask questions of the text. So we say, Lord, why did you go through lengths to not only say he was a Samaritan, but then Jesus said he was a foreigner in verse 7, 18? Why, Lord? Why, why are you talking about race and ethnicity? Does it matter? Evidently, it does. Why? Because in that mixed colony of lepers, Jew primarily because they knew about the law to go back to the priests. But because Jesus was in the midst of Samaria and Galilee, there was a mixed community of sick folk. Sick folk were together because, again, they had a common unity in their sickness. So their prejudices and their racial tension that goes on for centuries, it left out because at the core of it, they were hurting humans. And they bonded together around leprosy and if anybody should have known to come back and give God glory it should have been the covenantal people of God the apple of God's eye Israel because they were given the covenants they were given the word ultimately they were given the Messiah 
but because they did not acknowledge the Messiah for who he was. You know, John chapter 1, verse 11, that Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Jewish people, by and large, rejected Jesus as the Messiah then and even now. But verse 12 of John 1 says, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God because we believed on his name. So Jesus came to the lost sheep of Israel, but the lost sheep of Israel, they were okay receiving miracles from him. They were okay with him feeding the multitudes, but they did not want to acknowledge him as the Messiah. And isn't that how a lot of folk are today, even in church? They want the gifts from God, but they don't want God himself. You see, you know you're growing when all you want is God, and if he throws in a gift, that's fine. I remember I would go out and speak, and I'd be gone for the weekend, and I would come home. And I knew I would like to always bring gifts for my children. You know, in the airport stores, they always hike the prices up. So you buy one of them little goofy airplanes, or you get little rubber band things that go around the wrist. Something for my kids, some candy. Because when I would come in, I would love the delight they would get when they would see me, but then look down at my hand. And Chase and Dante and Karis and Krista, they would take what was in my hand, and that would give me time to spend time with their mother while they were going away playing with whatever I had in my hand. And a couple times, a brother felt used, because I was like, now, if I don't come home with something in my hand, are they going to be as happy to see me? Well, to my surprise... My kids were happy to see me, whether I had a gift in my hand or not. And that's how I knew our relationship had turned the corner. Because I knew that how they felt about their mama, you know. But sometimes as a dad, you're like, do they feel that same way about me? These big grown boys on TV score touchdown. Huh, mom? Dad hardly ever gets props. Well, my kids started loving me, whether I had something in my hand or not. Oh, man, it made me feel great and made me want to put something in my hand to put in their hand. When we come to God and can say, Lord, I just thank you for who you are. It ain't even about what you do and you do wonders, but Lord, I just love you and I thank you. I believe that that blesses the father. And this Samaritan, he came back and he blessed Jesus when others were content to get the gift from him, but they didn't want to come back and give him the glory. And he was a Samaritan, someone who sat outside of the covenantal people, but he came in. Oh, he's a picture of Naaman the Syrian in 2 Kings chapter 5, who got healed of his leprosy probably a few centuries before this scenario in Luke 17. Naaman the Syrian went into Samaria to petition the king that he may be healed. The king said, oh my, I can't help him. Elisha the prophet said, wait a minute now. We need to let this Syrian know that there is only one true God and he is the God of Israel. Uh, bring him to me. So Naaman the Syrian with his leprosy, he's a captain of the army. He comes to Elisha's house with his bad condition. Elisha don't even come out the house. 
Elisha sends a messenger out and he tells Naaman, uh, go dip in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored. So once again, we see God doing it differently with his children. Naaman started having a problem with that. He said, man, wait a minute. Hold on. I done came all this way. He's not even going to come out. He's going to tell me go get in the Jordan. He could at least come over out and wave his hand over me. And he got mad. But one of his servants, that's why you got to have good people on your staff, that when you as a leader start tripping, you got to have good people to bring you back. Thank God for the good people on my staff that when I start tripping, they bring a brother back. They said, now, if he'd have told you to do something hard, you would have done it. Why don't you just do what he said? Obey. Go by faith in the word of the prophet. He says, okay. He goes and he dips in the Jordan seven times, comes out, and his flesh is like that of a baby. He's healed. But guess what this Syrian did? He did what the Samaritan did. This outsider came back to the prophet and said, oh, I just want to give you a gift for giving me the gift of healing. And that's when Elisha said, no, no, it's all good. I don't want anything. Pastor, what's the point? When outsiders have more of a spirit of appreciation towards God than those of us on the inside, something is wrong with that picture. When people on our job who may not even know God, all of a sudden something happened and they up in the office even, oh, thank you, Lord. But the people who do know the Lord, we're afraid to give God a thank you in public. Oh, my Lord, would you help us to be thankful people? Jesus answered him in verse 17. Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? In other words, there was an expectation like you came. Where are the other ones? Were not there any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. A thankful spirit led to a healed spirit. Because when Jesus says your faith has made you well, literally it means your faith has saved you. So now your sins are forgiven because you were thankful to come back to me. May we be intentional to be thankful. Like this thankful Samaritan. And so as the worship team comes back,